just a little bit and let's sing that song meeting in the air now there is going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet sweet by and by and I am going to meet you meet you over there in that home beyond the sky Oh, such singing you will hear, never heard by mortal ear. Twill be glorious, I do declare. And God's own Son will be the leading one at the meeting in the air. You have heard of little Moses in the bulrush. I've heard of fearless David and his sleep And you have heard the story told of dreaming Joseph And of Jonah and the well you often see Now there are many, many others through the Bible I should like to meet them all I do declare By and by the Lord will surely let us meet them at that meeting in the air. Oh, there is going to be a meeting in the air, in that sweet, sweet by and by. And I am going to meet you, meet you over there in that home beyond the sky. Such singing you will hear, never heard by mortal ear. Twill be glorious, I do declare. And God's own Son will be the leading one at that meeting in the air. Many things will there be missing in that meeting. The mourner's bench will have no place at all There will never be a sermon preached to sinners For the sinner had refused to heed the call There will be no mourning over wayward loved ones And there will be no lonely nights of pleading prayer All our burdens and our anguish will be lifted 
did at that meeting in the air. Now there is going to be a meeting in the air in that sweet, sweet by and by. And I am going to meet you, meet you over there in that home beyond the skies. Oh, such singing you will hear, never heard by mortal ear, will be glorious, I do declare. And God's own Son will be the leading one at the meeting in the air. Oh, there the doubters will be missing altogether. Skeptics will be absent on that day. There will be no grumblers present to disturb us, and the Aikens will be busy far away. And there the saints will have his seal upon their foreheads, dressed in raiment none but ransomed ones can wear. All who have the wedding garments will be present at that meeting in the air. Come on now. For there is going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. Oh, I am going to meet you, meet you over there in that home beyond such singing you will hear, never heard by mortal ear, will be glorious, I do declare, and God's own Son will be the leading one at the meeting in the air, oh, now there is going to be a meeting in the air, in that sweet and by I am going to meet you meet you over there in that home beyond the sky oh such singing you will hear never heard by mortal ear it will be glorious I to declare and God's own son will be the leading own son oh now in god's own son will be the leading one at the meeting in the air amen glad i'm gonna be there in that meeting let's uh put it in the key of f and we'll change the order of the service here just as uh we go before the lord in prayer with some prayer requests here uh, let's just sing that song, Learning to Lean. So I'm learning to lean, learning to lean, learning to lean on Jesus, and I'm finding. Oh, wow. 
grab your seats for just a moment. If you would continue to play something softly, Brother Matt. We just want to uh, to remember Brother Bill Walters, uh, father who is in rehab in Florida. So we just want to uh, remember them in prayer. And uh, we just want to continue to remember Sister Laura Collins up in Canada, that the Lord would just touch her and that uh, the Lord would also just be with her family as well. Uh, we just want to uh, continue to remember uh, Sister Connie Hughes, uh, who is going through therapy. So we just want to remember her after her surgery. Uh, also, um, I was told uh, that Sister Karen, my aunt, uh, and my aunt Amber uh, were not able to be with us. Uh, they are having some issues down in their back. Um, so we just want to uh, pray for them. Um, and right before service, um, I don't know too many details, but uh, Ashley, my sister, she uh, sent a text out in a little group chat saying that one of her students uh, was sick with pneumonia, and uh, they were concerned that he or that they might uh, have to go in the hospital. So we just want to remember uh, that little uh, child there who's, I mean, he's only two years old, roughly, so we just want to remember them. And uh, that's all the prayer requests I have. I know we all have unspoken prayer requests just by the lifting of our hands. Just also continue to remember those in Ukraine and surrounding countries and uh, those that just need a touch from the Lord. And if you would stand, if I could have uh, Brother Tim Cross uh, just come and pray over these. And uh, also he has a special at this time. So uh, if you would just come up and pray. these needs before the Lord in prayer this evening. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we can come and gather tonight and join our hearts together and bind together in faith, believing, Lord, that you are present in our midst and you hear the spoken request and you also see the hearts of your children tonight. You're conscious, Lord, of our unspoken needs or the things, Lord, that Perhaps we wouldn't say to another, but we can certainly say to you tonight. And we pray that in this gathering tonight and in this service, Lord, that you will be glorified in our midst. Lord, that we'll be able to place these things now before you in prayer, believing, Lord, that you hear and you answer in due time. And Lord, we're not just here to ask. We're here to thank you, Lord, for all of the times we've seen you move, Lord, in our lives down through the years and We know, Lord, that you haven't changed in what you're uh, able to do. Lord, you will continue to do, and we thank you for that. We pray, Lord, for the needs of healing, both uh, physically and spiritually. And we certainly want to lift up, Lord, this portion of your bride, Lord, over in the European countries, Lord. Both in Ukraine, Lord, where uh, so many are fleeing, Lord, that the conditions there, and then in the neighboring countries, Lord, where they're receiving Lord, these refugees and offering them food and shelter and clothing and all of the things they have need of, Lord. We know that in all of this, prophecy is being fulfilled. Your coming, Lord, is is nigh. And we want to be prepared for that too, Lord. So that as we gather this evening, if there are things, Lord, in our lives, even beyond what we are conscious of as needs, Lord, if there are things that you need to take from us tonight, Help us, Lord, to open our hearts and place that on the altar too, Lord, that we can leave here changed and more ready for your coming because we know it's so soon. Bless your children, Lord, here and afar, those tuning in tonight or those listening and watching. Lord, may your omnipresence go right there to where they are. 
and draw them close to you right now, Father, and minister to their needs. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray and ask it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may have your seats. As most of you know, I am not a singer, and don't don't make claims on being a singer, especially as well as my wife sings. But I'll play this little song on the piano, and I know you you'll pick it up and know how to sing it. But um, I want to say this too: um, in conversation and in um, dialogue, communication, a lot of times we're so focused on what we want to say or what we have to express or get off our hearts that we aren't really listening. And I I think when we approach the Lord in worship, we need to come to worship and to give thanks and to pray and and place our needs there. But we also need to have open ears and open hearts to say, Lord, help me hear what you want to say tonight to me. And so uh, this song is called Here I Am to Worship. And worship, I think, is not about what we have to express to him. It's about we're here to listen to what he has to say to us as well. Key of E flat. Yeah. 
maybe just stand and sing it with me. Here I am. Is that why you're here tonight? Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say, You're my God and you're all together. All together, wonderful to King of all kings, you're so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly came to the earth you all for love's sake became poor. And here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say, you're my God. brother comes back. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. Oh, you're all together lovely. All together worthy. All together Yeah. 
just a quick announcement uh, before we have the ushers pray. We just want to uh, remember this weekend uh, the marriage banquet. So for those of you going, just remember that. That's this Saturday. Also, uh, this Saturday is that lovely time of year where our clocks push forward. So just remember that so you are not late Sunday morning that the clocks do move forward. So uh, if I could have Brother Chris just pray over the uh, tithes and offerings. Just sing it again as Brother Barry comes this evening. Oh, so glad I'm yours, Lord. So glad I'm yours. So glad your tonight to the house of the Lord. It's certainly good to see all of you and nice to be back. Uh, we appreciate you coming tonight on a busy midweek. Uh, it's always nice to uh, to see you here and to make that sacrifice and we pray that God will fill your cup tonight. We welcome all of those that are streaming tonight. We have a lot of people who are uh, interested in this uh, little update tonight and we welcome all of them and um, we just pray that God will uh, speak to all of our hearts uh, in relation to the urgency of the hour, and um, that's what we want to speak about tonight. While you're standing, I'll have you take your Bible, uh, if you don't mind, and we're going to um, go in the book of Revelation, chapter 17. Revelation, the 17th chapter. Now, tonight, if you have the opportunity, you ought to wish Matt Cross a happy birthday. You see him after church. Matt's 21st birthday tonight. Revelation chapter 17 and verse 17. 
Well, if you don't mind, let's just read a little above there. Verse 15, And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the horse sitteth, are peoples, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will. So the things that are happening today are happening because God's got a purpose, God's got a direction, he's got a will, and he's able to drop into the hearts of people who are completely against God to do his will. Do you believe that? And to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Heavenly Father, we invite you now, Lord, to come and just breathe upon your word as only you can. Lord, make it live. Quicken it, Lord, I pray. And Father, may you just speak to the hearts of your people, not only that are gathered here tonight, Lord, but uh, those who are listening. And Father, we think of those that are in great need tonight, Lord, that may be just uh, gathered among themselves in different places in the world. Lord, we know that you're not uh, limited by numbers or sizes of groups, Lord, at all. You, you specified that if two or three were gathered in your name, there you would be. And so, Lord, we're counting on that tonight, and we're asking that you would just speak to our hearts, Lord, clearly and abundantly. And, Father, may you just take complete control of everything that's done here, Lord. I submit myself to you and ask, Lord, that you would take all of our spirits, including mine, under your control for your glory. And, Father, we ask that you would just uh, forgive us of anything, Lord, that may be contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we ask that you would just take uh, liberty now among us and speak to us in a very real and positive way. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated tonight. Now, we're going to jump right in, and uh, I'm going to give a little update, as you can tell, from uh, our opening screen here, and uh, give you a little, uh, some, some new information, and uh, depending on how much time we have, I, I think we're living in the midst of uh, a lot of scripture being fulfilled. Uh, I, I didn't think that at the beginning, I didn't think that as much as I do now, and the more I... Uh, the more I carry on and look at this, the more I realize uh, this has got the stamp of God on it. And um, we're looking very carefully, and we ministers, we've been talking lots about uh, things that are going on. And so um, we're excited about the time, and uh, I just wanted to, to share and give you some updates here and some things that uh, you, you haven't seen uh, so far. I've been directing people to our website, and I want to say I appreciate Lucas uh, and Haley who have done a great job at uh, helping out. I, I don't know where Lucas is, but uh, they've done a great job at posting things up there, and lots of people have been able to go there and uh, contribute so that these funds flow over to uh, Ukraine and the people over there and the people outside who are coming outside the country as well. Uh, and uh, he's done a really great job at uh, streamlining all that process, and it's, and it's working, and we're very thankful for that and uh, taking some of that load off my, 
uh, off my plate. So we really appreciate that. We're looking forward to having Brother Jason come uh, this weekend. He's going to be speaking at our banquet, and he'll be taking the service on Sunday morning. So we're certainly looking forward to that. I have uh, printed out here a little portion of uh, his service last Sunday. And uh, I haven't listened to it, but uh, uh, somebody had uh, transcribed it and uh, sent it to me. And I, I really appreciated it. And he was talking a little bit about the spiritual uh, elements of this whole struggle uh, globally. And it, is, it was very, very good. And I, I don't know whether he, I'm not going to direct him, and I don't know whether he's going to speak about that. But uh, if he does, I'm sure you'll be edified. Now let's just jump right in and say that, uh, uh, first of all, <coughs> Um, I, I never, I, I think this would be self-evident to you, but I never like to project myself as somebody who knows all the answers about this. I'm just like you. I'm learning just like you and uh, gathering information, researching, praying, studying the message in the Bible. Uh, and I, I don't mean at all in any way to project, uh, you know, a thought or an idea that, uh, you know, I've got all the answers here. Um, I don't think there's anybody on earth, really, who knows what tomorrow holds. But we are confident that we know who holds tomorrow and that nothing happens in this earth by chance, especially at the very end, the end times. And so you and I and the whole world, we're being pulled along in the current of unfolding prophecy. We're being pulled along in the current of unfolding prophecy. Uh, There's nothing about this world today that you can change, really. Uh, maybe in your own little atmosphere, in your own little space, but the, the world is moving in a certain direction. It's moving at, a, at an increasing speed. Not a thing in the world you're going to do to stop it. Uh, when, when things move along at God's pace, there's not a thing in the world we can do to hold it up. It's going to happen exactly as God said. Do you believe that? So if that's true, if what I just said is true, you just need to be ready and uh, be ready to go to where this current has taken us. And uh, there is a destination for the bride. There's a destination for the world. There's a destination for Israel. And uh, it's all happening. And it's going to continue to unfold until it's complete. And uh, God uh, says it's done. And so uh, it's, it's really an exciting time to live because of so many things that are taking place. And uh, I, I, I don't think you should be afraid and worried. I, I think we should be excited because, like I said, uh, to you one... Uh, in one of the past services, and, and you've got to forgive me because things are a little bit like a blur uh, uh, of traveling over the last little while and, and uh, traveling up ahead of me. Um, but I don't believe that this is going to wind up in a great big massive confusion. I believe it's going to have a, a glorious conclusion when it's all done. For the people of God, it's going to have a glorious conclusion. It's not going to be just a pile of rubble where we're all lost. I believe there's going to be a glorious conclusion for the bride of Christ. So um, I just wanted to, to pass along a couple of things here. I, I, I showed you this picture, uh, I think, last Wednesday because this is uh, uh, the town of Mariupol, or the city of Mariupol on the coast, and uh, our, our good friend, Brother uh, Volodya Ivanov, who's the evangelist there. He's the brother who had the COVID, and I'm sorry I didn't get his picture up here, but uh, they're under siege at the moment, and when these cities are under siege, uh, their communications are completely cut off. The water is cut off. They're not able to get out on the street. Most often they uh, hunker down in a basement somewhere. And so no one has heard from Brother Volodya. 
uh, and the other believers that are in that immediate area. Uh, so we're just praying that the Lord will watch over him. Uh, he's just been a real uh, wonderful minister in that part of the world and done a great thing. Now, uh, I, I, I told you this story, and I didn't have all the details, and so I want to um, make sure we get the details. My, my goal in dealing with uh, you know, putting some of this stuff up here and, and uh, on the website is that we want to get it accurate. Um, I had a story told to me that we put on the website that is incorrect, and we're going to issue a little correction there. Uh, but it was uh, stating that some of the Russian government had intercepted phone communications by some brothers there and warned them not to send pictures out, and that apparently was not true. And so we're going to issue a correction there because we, we, we want to be right in what we tell folks. This is, I, I know this sister. This is Sister Natasha. She's in uh, Donetsk Church um, in the uh, very eastern part of, uh, of Ukraine and uh, has been... Uh, which has been a part of or dominated by Russia for a long time. She is a, a janitor uh, in the school, and uh, if you look in the paragraph there, it says, uh, after about 15 minutes after she left work or left the school, a shell landed near the school and damaged the building. And uh, this is a rough picture of the school, and there's no windows left in the, in the building here. It was all shaken and shattered, and uh, she had just left about 15 minutes prior to... Uh, uh, prior to the bomb arriving in that uh, in that city, now a lot of this stuff, uh, pictures like this, I've received and I'm just passing them on. So they're uh, some of them are blown up from phones and and so on. Then she got on the bus and she was on her way home from the city center, and suddenly, without realizing what she did, she got off the bus at an early bus stop. So she didn't get off at the right place. She got off early. And she didn't understand why, but as she waited for the bus for the next bus and drove to her destination, when she arrived, she saw people running in panic, and it turned out that a shell had exploded near the bus stop where she had to wait for her transfer to the next bus. So twice in the one day, she was speared uh, of, of explosions there, and she was praising God who had preserved her. Uh, so uh, let me tell you something. I believe that God is watching over his children uh, in all of this. We don't know of any uh, believer that's been injured. Uh, many of them are being displaced, but we don't know of any of them that are injured uh, in any way at all. Uh, I showed you a couple of pictures of some of the believers over there who crossed over out of Ukraine and into Poland. And Lord willing, I'll get a chance to meet with these folks and uh, probably interview some of them, bring back uh, some of their testimonies and their stories there. And they all have stories. What I'm what I'm hearing from over there is that they all have stories to tell. These are some of the people who came uh, out of the Melitopol uh, area, and this is, again, over in the east of Ukraine, but they, they came over to the west, and they're, uh, they were getting ready to leave at this particular point here. They usually get together, have a little meal, and then the people who could go do go. Uh, these are some of the sisters that are over there, and uh, this sister in the middle is uh, the wife of... Uh, brother, uh, sorry, the older lady is the mother of Brother Ruslan. This is Brother Ruslan, and he is a, uh, he was a, a Ukrainian, and uh, he's been really involved in helping Ukrainian believers and Ukrainian refugees in that area, and lives in Germany. And uh, he's just been a tremendous help, and not only in, in Ukraine, but also in, or sorry, not in Poland, but in Romania as well. And so we've been able to send funds over to him, and this is one of those communications there. It takes me a long time to figure out what that says. Uh, but uh, those are the documents that we get in response to sending funds over. We've got hundreds of these, and uh, Brother Aaron will tell you 
uh, this this goes on all the time in trying to make sure we have every code right and every account right and everything else and getting the, the funds there. Uh, but it's working, and we're just so thankful for that. I'll show you in just in, in, in a moment here. This picture was taken uh, uh, by believers who are on their way to Romania. And um, the sister with the red jacket and the brother on the very right-hand picture, uh, they're going to uh, be cared for when they get across there. And um, there's several families that are now trickling over. There's over 2 million people there who are on the border waiting to get across. And uh, the conditions are uh, not very good in that area where people are congregating. These are some more of the believers who are uh, waiting to get across. Just wanted to let you know that tomorrow uh, this uh, shipment of stuff will be leaving Holland and it will get down to, uh, it'll get down to the Polish border. It'll get there just about in time for me to be there and uh, then I'll be going back to Holland. But these are all believers here in this warehouse and they've accumulated stuff that uh, they're sending down. And this is kind of like Target in boxes here, Walmart in boxes, uh, where they're collecting everything from toothbrushes and shoes and blankets and everything, and they're uh, loading it all up tomorrow morning, and uh, it'll be on its way. They have this uh, lady, uh, Polish truck driver, who's going to take it all down. Uh, This is not the main need right at the moment because uh, there's not many places. They can't send down multiple trucks because there's not uh, places for storage in that area. But they are going to be bringing down stuff so that they can outfit believers as they come across and their families across to the the border. Once they come across the border, they wait for a couple of days. They usually get uh, refueled. You know, they get refreshed. They get a little meal. They get... Uh, rest it up a little bit. They'll take some basic supplies like this, and then they move on to where their uh, family and friends are located in, in Europe. And they have a three-year pass to live anywhere in the European Union. So they don't have any restrictions. They can go anywhere in that part of the world. And uh, once that three-year period is up, most likely they would have to return back to uh, Ukraine or whatever it's called after that three-year period. So it's a pretty daunting uh, situation for the believers uh, who are coming across there. But they do basically come across with with nothing except their purses and that kind of thing. This was a sister who sent a picture today, and uh, she had bought baby food and medicine uh, using the funds that are being sent over, and this was her pile of stuff uh, that she had there today. Now, there are, uh, again, the pastors in that area, in Poland, Romania, and the European side, they're not saying, hey, we need blankets and shoes. There's, there's literally hundreds and hundreds of organizations that are supplying this stuff to that part of the world. So we don't need to collect shoes and purses and send it over there. There's, there's millions, literally millions of tons of material going over there. Uh, what they're telling us is that the way that we're distributing funds within the country is the most effective way to help the people. And so I'll show you that just as we go forward here. But I just wanted to say that uh, these organizations are outfitted. They're very good at sending stuff over. This happens to be Samaritan's Purse. Uh, Samaritan's Purse has their own airplane uh, that they fly back and forth in the situations like this where there's a crisis. And in this picture over here, uh, on the bottom right-hand corner, that plane is leaving with a hospital. 
that's a field hospital that they actually pack up and put inside the plane, and they go to, they're going to go inside Ukraine and set up this field hospital. They're already there. They've already landed. They've already set up this hospital. And one of the reasons that they're setting up the hospital is so they can perform uh, medical services for the people, but also in case there are war injured in that part of the world. So they're going to be moving into harm's way. Uh, close to it, and they're going to be helping the people over there. And they have all the facilities. They can, you know, give blood. They can do the oxygen. They can do x-rays, everything that they need to do, all the way out to surgeries. Which brings us to the announcement that Sister April Grant is going to be joining Samaritan's Purse over here and working in that hospital. And uh, she's just uh, working on the uh, working on the time uh, when she can get there, but uh, she is a reserve person uh, for Samaritan's person. She's pretty excited about going over. Uh, if I wasn't going over, I was going to volunteer as a chaplain to go over uh, just to be there and get inside the country. Had two or three people volunteer already to go over with her. It would be just really exciting to be in that place. But uh, we'll, we'll keep you posted on Sister April. But if you don't mind praying for her, uh, because she wants to certainly uh, make sure she does things in the right timing uh, in order to get there. Now, uh, when I leave, uh, Lord willing, on Monday, I'll be going down to the uh, bottom part of Poland right here uh, in Krakow. And I'll, we'll be having a minister's meeting there. There's a main highway that runs from here out to the border. And Lord willing, I'll get a chance to get out to the border there meet some of the believers who are coming across. And then I'll be ministering in, in Czech Republic on uh, Wednesday night and then back in Krakow on Thursday night and then back out and fly up to Holland. So uh, it'll be a, uh, a busy time for us uh, over in that part of the world. Now, I just wanted to, to share this with you here. This is uh, uh, an, quite an amazing thing. Uh, and um, we're going to send out this PowerPoint, but we'll, we're going to take a few of these following ones out here. But uh, these are uh, three special brothers who live in Ukraine. And, uh, Aaron, you've not met these guys, but you've been interacting with them because these are the fellows inside. These are believers, and one of them is a minister, inside the country of Ukraine who are responsible for getting money out to all of the believers there. So when we send funds in, and we can't send much, but when we send funds in there, uh, these brothers allocate it out to all of these little churches and these little groups that are all over Ukraine. So they operate using this map. And all these red points are, are places where uh, banks operate. Now, what's interesting in the country of Ukraine is that uh, you might have a bank that operates, say, like here's Kiev right here. You might have a bank that operates just there. And then you might have another bank that operates in the east of Ukraine. You might have one that works in the west. But they don't work all over the country. It's really complicated. It's really hard to deal with. So we can send money to one place, but you can't do the same thing and send it to another place. So uh, these brothers are the brains behind receiving that in their country and then getting it to all these little places where the red marks are. And these are essentially working banks and areas where they can uh, get the, uh, money, the cash that they need in order to get supplies. So these fellows, uh, <laughs> these fellows are, are pretty special. They're, they're pretty hardworking. They're also businessmen, so they have little shops themselves, and they know how the system works. They know how banking works, so they, they're not allowed to have too much money in their bank account because the government knows they don't make $20,000 a week, right, 20000 U.S. dollars a week. So we can't send them big amounts of money. We have to send them little amounts that looks like they had a good day in the market. And every day, 
sometimes several times a day. We send funds to a couple of, there's probably three different teams that I have that uh, send funds over, and they, uh, they, they usually respond to needs within the country. So there's families there that are, uh, you know, they know the, the army, uh, the attacking army is advancing into their area. Well, what they're going to do is they're going to request funds. They're going to buy up everything they can so they have supplies in their basement, and then, uh, you know, they'll be able to last over a longer period of time than normal. They don't have refrigeration most often over there and don't have ways to store and preserve stuff. So they've got to be pretty skillful at making sure everything lasts. So these brothers respond to this, and this happens very fast. They'll get a request from somebody, goes to these three brothers. They will send it over to one of the brothers who lives in Ohio, and then they'll send a message to me. We'll, we'll channel funds backwards going that way, and it'll ripple all the way down until they get it. We can do that probably within a half an hour. If we have the information right, we can get, get it to them in about 30 minutes, which is really neat. It doesn't always happen that smoothly, but when you have consistent uh, people who are receiving and the channels stay open, we can still do that. So these brothers, they record every phone call they make. They record every name and address, and this is their list that they use. And they, uh, they, they catalog for us, uh, not that I asked them to do this, but they, they catalog every uh, individual who receives and where they live and how much they received and all of that. And they make sure that everybody's included. Now, what's really interesting is that uh, there, is a lot of different, uh, there are a lot of different doctrinal ideas about, uh, about the message in Ukraine. And so there's people that play only tapes, and there's people who have different uh, doctrinal persuasions, and there's, I mean, it, it is really not much different there than anywhere else. And so these, uh, these brothers over here, they call everybody, regardless of what they believe. They don't have any uh, preference, they don't have any priority, they don't have any, uh, you know, bias at all. If they're believers and they're, they're identified with the message of the hour, they call them. And a lot of these people over there, they're saying, hey, why, why are you calling me? You know, why do you want this information about my bank account so you can put money in there? Can we trust you? And at first, that's everybody's reaction because people are standoffish in that part of the world anyway. And, uh, you know, they're not used to fellowshipping all together. But a problem like this, and you remember what I told you a couple of weeks ago, Brother Branham said that God knows how to send persecution that will drive everyone together. Pretty soon, these believers are all talking to one another. They're all sharing information together. They're all doing what needs to be done in order to support one another. And this is exactly what's happening. And so these three, three brothers that are there, they're just very faithful. And, uh, you know, you probably never meet them uh, in this life, uh, Brother Oleg and Brother Kostya. And uh, they're just, they're just uh, diligent at doing that. They work all day, look after their families, and then they do this, you know, continually uh, in their off time. And so uh, we're very thankful. We wouldn't be able to do what we do unless, uh, you know, those brothers were operating over there. So just giving you a little insight into that. Now, um, Two days ago, uh, a good friend of mine who lives in Ireland uh, was over in Poland and went over there to dedicate a church, a new church that uh, started up over there in the eastern side of Poland. And he said, you know, in Europe we hear all kinds of media stories and all kinds of things about what's going on in the world. And he said, I kind of had an arm's length uh, relationship with this whole thing. He said, I didn't really, uh, didn't really um, get concerned very much, he said, until I went to Poland. 
And when I went to Poland, he said, I saw the movements of people that are, that are going on over there where I'll be in a, in a couple of days. And he said it was just really moving to see people coming out and their stories, the, the stories and testimonies that they tell. But he said, I was standing there in the, uh, in the yard of the church, and he said, all of a sudden, he said, I heard a thundering sound. And he said, this thundering just got louder and louder. And he said, as I began to hear that, just got louder and louder. He was so struck by what he saw, he pulled out his phone and he recorded this. So this is the recording of what he was watching in the sky. I think, John, I think probably the largest plane, not the largest, but almost. I mean, they're pretty big. These are the ones that they can drive the vehicles up into and troop carriers and so forth. And uh, he said, I was just struck by the number of these German planes. There's about four or five a day that are American, but uh, these are uh, German aircraft that are filled with all sorts of weaponry, advanced technical weaponry, that is being moved by U.S. and NATO forces into secret airfields in Ukraine. And he said they were coming down just beyond where we were. And he said as soon as they drop onto the ground, as soon as they come to the ground, this was an article that this brother found for me. And he said once they hit the runway, he said these C-17 planes, he said, uh, as soon as they get down and they uh, unload them, they shut up the doors. He said that another one was landing, and the missiles that they took off these planes did not stay in one place for a long time. They were taken quickly by land to their final destination. So as soon as they open that door, roll out all the weaponry that's there, it's gone. They put it on trains, they put it on, on trucks, they hide it, and it's gone. And it's moved around in Ukraine by the military there. As many as 18 deliveries took place in a single day, and about four to five of those are American. The operation is coordinated by a mix of soldiers and civilians from NATO countries who have come to support Ukraine in its battle against a Russian invading force that is bigger and better equipped. And so this is what, this is, uh, to me, this is what's going to be happening in the long haul. It's going to be a long haul struggle because there's resistance that's being mounted there. Same article. With NATO's Eastern Europe uh, members deeply worried about Russia's intentions. And let me tell you, they should be. I'm in contact every day with people who live in Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, and uh, Poland. And all those nations, let me tell you, they, uh, they're going to be right on the edge of an advancing Russia if Russia takes over all of Ukraine. Don't believe that it will, but they're going to be right on the edge of that. And those U.S. soldiers are notably deployed in Poland where... The 82nd Airborne is stationed uh, on the training ground, and uh, they had a simulation. Uh, the U.S. forces and the NATO forces and so forth, they had a, uh, a confrontation there 
which was a mock battle, and they're getting everybody ready for the uh, for the contest. And the commander of the U.S. forces, the last paragraph, uh, General Cavoli, he uh, hailed the unprecedented mobilization of NATO forces over the past two weeks. He said, NATO is more unified than I've ever seen NATO unified before, and I have never seen the resolve and the practical expression of combat readiness that I see in the alliance's ground forces right now. Now, this is really interesting, and I, I, I put that up there because I wanted to just say that, uh, and, th- and this is where it starts to lean into the prophetic, all right? So I just want you to, I'm going to give you a few things just to think about. Not going to be long, but I just want to give you a few things to think about. Because all of a sudden, we've had, hey, for the last 40 years, we've had conflicts in different parts of the world. But you've never seen countries like Switzerland or Finland or Sweden come out and send arms and ammunition into uh, countries that are def- trying to defend themselves. As a matter of fact, in my lifetime, I've never seen Sweden do anything uh, when it comes to a military conflict. Nothing, ever. Now, we have the entire, the entire economy of Russia ground to a halt because the world, together, just closed the valve which would make you think how quickly the world can close the valve. I mean, you just have to think about how that if, if in another part of the world for another reason somebody wanted to shut down churches or wanted to isolate another nation, even a superpower, it's possible now that in a very short period of time, the forces and the business forces and the oil companies, which are... A, major factor in the world, major factor in the world's economy, and banking, and, hey, listen, Starbucks, all of them, shutting the valve, Visa, MasterCard. And so, uh, you know, over time, uh, these, uh, these decisions are going to have huge impact uh, on what happens in that part of the world. And uh, I will tell you, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting, and it's easy when you see things like this happening to begin to track it back to the prophecies that are made about this hour. Now, I had a phone call from one of the brothers who lives inside Ukraine, and he was telling me about uh, the one thing that uh, all, of the, uh, all of the believers take notice uh, of over there in that part of the world when these refugees come. Now, we're talking between 2 and 3 million refugees that are on the western side of Ukraine. And uh, they have one thing in common, and this, this, he said, is universal among all of them. Every one of them are violently angry. He said, there's none of them that are there without a level of anger. He said, that's scary. One brother said, and I, he, he said today on tape, he said, the people there act like animals. He said, if you step on someone's toe, you get in front of somebody in the lineup, you jump in front of somebody trying to get on the train, uh, if, if anything happens that was not intended to happen, he said, there's fights, there's all kinds of violence there among the people that are moving. They've been taken out of their homes. Their schools, their farms, their churches, businesses, universities, everything that was a way of life two weeks ago is now all of a sudden turned upside down. They're forced to leave under the threat of death many times and leaving and going to a place where they have no idea where they're going to wind up. And every one of them, this is what the brother was telling me on the phone. Every one of them, he says, when you go out in the street, if you can go out uh, at all, he said, uh, they're angry. 
the Ukrainian army that's over in that part of the country are, are, you know, they're armed to the teeth. The police that are there armed to the teeth. The border people are uh, equally so. And it's a really violent atmosphere for everybody who's there. This is a funeral for uh, one of the Ukrainian soldiers that died. And uh, this picture I actually took out of the New York Times because after the brother told me about this, uh, I happened to see an article, uh, and this was the headline, that hate for uh, Putin's Russia consumes Ukraine and the Ukrainians. And so there's so much uh, hatred that's built up there, not only over this last couple of weeks, but uh, there are many Ukrainians that have looked at uh, middle-class Russians, and these would be middle-class Ukrainians, very poor, but they're considered middle-class. They're not the poverty-stricken people. But they look at middle-class Russians, and they begin to compare themselves who live a lifestyle like this. And they say, you know, you've, we, we've, we've been forced to live like this in Ukraine in poverty for the last 20 years, ever since... Uh, you know, Ukraine uh, was, was uh, severed from the Soviet Union. And they said, you know, the lifestyle of the middle class in Russia is quite different. And in a sense, they've been bought in the silence. So nobody has, uh, nobody's uh, you know, stood up for the Ukrainian people. So there's this struggle there. And uh, I asked uh, this brother who I was talking to, and I'm concerned about names and dates and places, so that's why if I'm just using he or she, uh, I'm not trying to be politically correct. I'm just trying to keep those brothers safe. Uh, believe me, I don't get into the pronoun thing. But uh, let me just say this, that uh, when I asked him about this, I said, well, you know, how about the believers in that atmosphere of, of hatred and, and uh, you know, anger that's there? Because they're around it all the time. And no one's got a job in that, in that area of uh, Western Ukraine. Nobody's got a job. Nobody's got anything to do. Many times they just, you know, will go out and look for supplies if they can, uh, you know, find things that they can use for their families. That's all they do. And I said, how about the believers over there? So I received these testimonies. I just want to share a little bit with you. This Sunday, the believers gathered for a service. Now, remember, the atmosphere around them is full of anger. All right? Remember the scripture in Psalm 27 where David said, he said, uh, you know, it, <laughs> he said, he would set me upon a rock in the time of trouble, he said. And, and all, Brother Bram said it meant all around him was trouble. Watch what these believers are saying. Watch what they're testifying of. This Sunday, the believers were gathered together for a service. Faith was high. And they heard about uh, the three frogs. They're describing what they were taught. The unclean spirits that try to affect the minds of the people through the media and propaganda. And let me tell you, there's lots of propaganda over there. The astounding fact is that the believers stay in love and kindness, even in a war like this. One of the believers felt sorry for the soldiers who spent day and night in the occupied city and shared their food. And those who have vehicles can get some fuel, try to share whatever food they have with the other believers. It's a special time of unity and mutual help. The city is closed. You cannot get in or out. Food supplies are still not coming in. So they are trying to buy food on open markets, if any. So there's no new shipments coming in. And there's limited amounts of food, but they're sharing it even with soldiers who are there. And their testimony is that even children have no fear. They see their parents in total peace, and this creates the right atmosphere for the kids. Despite panicking neighbors all around, the believers are the true peacemakers there. Wow. I thought that was wonderful. Let me give you another one. This is in the city of Chernigov. 
Dear brothers and sisters, we thank the Lord for, and thank you for your support. Thank you for helping the people who had to leave the city. Thank you for your prayers for us who stayed in the city. And you're probably wondering what is going on with us. In short, there are four families that stayed behind plus three more sisters. And we are all living in different parts of the city. In the view of constant bombing from both armies, we do not see each other. They can't go out on the street. We agreed to pray, to listen to messages together at home, and at a certain time, we call one another and write back and forth to one another. As for food, we're still using the stored food that we managed to buy on the first day of the war. Today, it is very difficult to buy food in huge queues, no choice, high prices. We thank our Lord Jesus Christ for everything. To him be the honor, praise, and glory. That's a good testimony. That's a good testimony. Now, <clears throat> let's just dig a little deeper. For those of you that uh, have traveled with me to Israel, you might remember this vantage point, and this is on top of the Golan Heights. And uh, this is looking across the barrier, and right there where those people are standing is Syria. Now, if you could look far enough, and it was clear enough, you could see Syria, in, or sorry, Damascus in the distance. And uh, even with the naked eye, you can look out and see Damascus. Behind, behind you in this picture is a little mountaintop. It's a little knoll. And there's all kinds of government equipment and telescopes and all kinds of electronic surveillance equipment on top of that mountain there. And uh, no one's allowed up there. This is the farthest you're allowed, and this is the border of Israel here. And uh, what's really interesting is that they say, and the guides will tell you, that if a fly lands on a windowsill in Damascus, they will see it from on top of this hill. So they watch everything that takes place uh, in, this, in this part of the world. Now, um, <clears throat> my wife's a history teacher, all right? And um, she was... Uh, she was, I heard her explaining to some of her students the other day uh, about alliances that, uh, you know, have, have been made historically between nations. And these alliances really matter when it comes to a war because the alliances are generally not made uh, during a war. They're made prior to a war. Um, history will tell us. For instance, here's a good example here. Um, the, the, the France... Uh, Russian, Great Britain, they formed, uh, had an alliance for many, many years. Uh, the Italians, the Austrians, and, and Hungarians, and, and uh, the Americans and Germans, they had, uh, they had alliances. And we're looking at the period of World War I, okay, in the Ottoman Empire. And, of course, when there was a, an assassination, uh, this, this brought nations who were in alliances into conflict. And there was, there was uh, you know, some unusual things happened because these nations had already formed alliances. So they, were, they had to live true to the agreements that they made. Now, uh, I'm not going to go into the, the history lesson here, but it's very interesting how that all plays out. And when you put that on a map, this is what it looks like. So you have Russia, England, and France uh, who are, uh, you know, in league together, and they've made an alliance. So when there's a struggle comes up or one of them is attacked, uh, the others are going to stand for that nation. They're going to work together against a common enemy. And so this was a scene in World War I, uh, Europe in 1914 is the uh, banner on the, on the headline. And uh, these alliances really matter because it shapes how this conflict goes on. But these alliances are not public news. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people don't care. When you have war going on, a lot of people don't care. Well, I guarantee you that in our time that we live in, there are all kinds of alliances that have been made that now we see. Now all of a sudden we're beginning to see. I'm not going to go into it long, but just stay with me here. <clears throat> 
One of these alliances, oddly enough, is between Russia and Israel. And uh, I've got a, uh, a couple of articles. Lucas will have all these. They'll be on the website so you can look at them uh, and uh, read down through them yourself. I just took little snippets out of uh, a couple of them here just to kind of underscore my point here. Um, in February in Jerusalem, this is a Reuters article, and I like their, their sources here. And I have the website on the bottom of the page, so if you want to look at the uh, PowerPoint, you'll be able to click on that. Russia sees its military coordination with Israel over Syria continuing, the Russian embassy said on Saturday. Read it again. Russia sees its military coordination with Israel over Syria continuing. So I don't know whether you've heard, but Israel's kind of been in the middle in terms of making a stand in this conflict for a while. And they, they didn't condemn Russia, but they didn't join in with the United States. Now they have leaned towards the West. And, uh, but at the beginning, Israel was kind of hung in the middle. And there were several articles and several, uh, you know, uh, stories that were out there about why Israel was doing what it's doing and why they're act, try, sort of trying to act like a mediator in the whole thing. And, uh, it was kind of, I, I thought it was kind of strange. So I began to investigate and talk to some people who knew. And, uh, uh I, I read this article here and, uh, they said following the 2015 Russian intervention in Syria, when, when Russia came down to Syria, Israel set up a deconfliction mechanism with the big power, meaning Russia, to prevent them clashing inadvertently during Israeli strikes against Iranian deployments and arms transferring in the neighborhood Arab state. Now, what does that mean? That means this, that Israel went to Russia when Russia came down to Syria and kind of took over, made their foothold in the Middle East. And said to them, let's make an agreement that we won't attack you and you won't attack us as long as we're in these, you know, side by side in the neighborhood. We're going to make an agreement because we know you have nuclear weapons and we know you have nuclear weapons. So we're just going to kind of exist side by side. But we're going to, we're going to make an agreement that says if Iran tries to bomb Israel, we're going to go after Iran probably before they take off on the runway, and Russia is not going to touch us. So Russia agreed. And Russia said that if Iran attempts to attack Israel, Israel has the freedom to be able to attack Iran without Russian planes in the air chasing them to the ground. So Russia is there in alliance with Syria and Iran, but they made a deal with the Israelis to say, if you want to go attack one of our people who we're in agreement with, that's okay. Because they're all, these, this is all the under the table stuff that you got to dig around to really find out. And the Russians are the masters at playing this game. The Russians are the best at playing this game. Because the boss of Russia was a former KGB and he knows how to collect all kinds of information and data and photographs about world leaders and uh, there's all kinds of blackmail involved here and all kinds of, just trust me on this, you don't need to research it. Let me read on a little bit in the article. Our military officials discuss the practical issues of this substantively on a daily basis. The Russians and the Israelis, they discuss this every day. This mechanism has proved to be useful and will continue to work, the Russian embassy said. But while voicing support for Israel's security needs, it also reiterated opposition to violations of Syrian sovereignty. So they have to look like they're standing for Syria, but they are in support of Israel. I mean, it's the craziest thing you'll ever see. 
And, it, and, and also to say this, it's very complex. This is, not, this is not really simple at all. The Israeli military asked about prospects for continued coordination with Russia over Syria and said only that its forces will act when needed to counter threats, defend the people of Israel and our sovereignty. Let me assure you that Israel is always interested in protecting Israel. So if they look like a mediator in terms of this conflict in Ukraine, uh, they are only interested in their interests because there are so many Ukrainian Jews. And all the pictures that I've shown from that area, uh, it's just extraordinary how many million Jews are in Ukraine. And so the Jewish government is very concerned about, uh, uh, you know, about the, the Russian and Ukrainian Jews. One-fourth of all the Jews that are in Israel are from that part of the world. One-fourth of the entire population of Israel is composed of Russian or Ukrainian Jews. So they're very interested uh, in, in what happens in Ukraine, but they're interested because of their own safety and their own protection. That's what they're looking out for. And Israel's always concerned about regional security and uh, looking, looking to uh, the other governments to make whatever league is necessary uh, because they have, a lot of con- they have a lot of things in common, actually, with, uh, with the people of Ukraine. They have a lot of things uh, sovereignly in common. Here's another article that deals with the same thing. Uh, like it or not, Israel's being affected by the Ukraine crisis. And here's what I want you to notice. That in the conversations here, and go to the underlined part, uh, both efforts failed. Israel's attempt to talk to the Russians, it failed because the issue is bigger than Israel. There's something bigger going on here than just a conflict between uh, Russia and Ukraine. And Israel realizes that it's much bigger than something that Israel can handle. Now, you can read these articles and you can find out. These negotiations, these agreements are, have been made. These are all historical. They all have been made. And it's really quite interesting um, how... Uh, how these nations now, the more that we understand, are looking back to see this is really a lot bigger than what we thought. Now, here's another article. Again, it's on the website. And this, this has an interesting statement in here. And it says the United States, United Kingdom, and the European Union had barely announced sanctions on overseas Russian wealth when the oligarchs began to protest. And that means that after Russia invaded Ukraine, the entire world, and if you look down on the last line here, the Western powers also significantly increasing efforts to identify and freeze assets of Russian business, Russian government, and all the other things that are going on. So you have the whole world. And, and this is where we come back to my text here. You come back to the, to the text which says that in the end of it, when all of these uh, nations wind up, Revelation 17, Revelation chapter 18, and the woes and the trumpets and the vials, and all of those things are, uh, you know, in motion in one way or another, as we've read in the Feast of the Trumpets there. And if you haven't read that sermon, that would be a really great sermon for you to get out and, uh, and, and uh, read again, because it really is now becoming more obvious that things were said and there really do pertain to our time, that remember now, America is described as a lamb which has the power of the beast before it. So when we say Western powers, there are forces at work here that are able to shut down an economy and a nation as big and powerful as Russia actually is. Now, let's, let's look for a moment here. And again, I'm not going to be long. But 
just look for a moment here at Brother Bram's prayer, 1961, in the message, Sirs, we would see Jesus. And he said, Heavenly Father, this is the closing hours of this world's history, and we know that there's no remedy left except the coming of the Son of God. And he said, as it was in the days of Sodom, we see atomic bombs, hydrogen bombs, every little nation waiting for somebody to let, let one loose. And he's just describing as he described many times about, you know, the, the times of the end when it's going to wind up and there's going to be an Armageddon and all the other things. And he's just describing that in his prayer. But before that takes place, and we know it could be before morning, it could be at any minute. And our scientists tell us it's long ago, three minutes until midnight. Brother Bram said that for a long time. It's closer now than it was when he talked about it. But we know the hand of God, watch, we know the hand of God has stopped time. To wait, just long-suffering like he was in the days of Noah. Now, when you, when you take a minute and you go in your Bible, before Revelation 17, which we've read, and you look at uh, the, the fifth trumpet and how that was poured out, and Brother Branham brings that back, ties that back to World War II. And he says that there were, uh, you know, spirits that were unleashed back in that time. He said that came against the Jews during that time. And anointed world leaders, right? Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, anointed world leaders to do what they did. And had all of those nations uh, rallied together to bring persecution on the Jews. And we know that uh, it didn't stop in World War II. It went on, the spirits went on because now they were loosed and they went on. And we've had conflicts uh, ever since uh, that point in time. Now... It's almost like the way Brother Bram's describing it is that God's in the control room and he's got two hands on this thing. He's allowing, he's allowing Satan, who has the key to the bottomless pit, to open it up and all these things come onto the earth. He's allowing Satan a certain space of time. And then he's got another lever there because when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a standard against it. Right? So he allows a revival, allows, allows a prophet to come on the scene, allows those ministers in the early 1900s and so forth to come. And every season that they came, it was countering something that uh, prophetically was spoken of and being loosed in Scripture. Doesn't doesn't happen constantly because God's got his hand on time and he's stopping time. Look what he says. Just like the long suffering as he was in the days of Noah. God's allowed, God's able to allow certain things to coast a certain time. And then, uh, you know, he pulls that lever and judgment strikes. And in that time, God, you know, one thing's happening, another thing's happening over here to collect the elect that are supposed to be in the ark. Isn't that right? Come on, folks. Who's got their hands on control? It's not Mr. Putin who's got the hands, his hands on control. He's finding out he's up against an opposition that's not really what he counted on. And I'm here to tell you tonight, it's not him who's in control. He's actually pushing against the beast powers that are in the earth that God has allowed to exist in our time to be able to execute the, uh, you know, the will of that Antichrist system. But let me tell you, it's not because God's lost control. God's got his hand on another lever there and moving Israel into her place moving the bride into her place and getting everything ready. God's got it all under control. And those leaders are not the ones that are calling the shots. We have a God who's higher than all of that. And He's the one. He's the one that we serve. He's the one that we live for. He's the one uh, that we that we keep our eye on. Hey, there's all kinds of news, all kinds of theories, all kinds of military ideas about what's going on here. Let me tell you, it's now. now and I've said it many times before, it bears repeating again, that now's the time for you to lock in on what 
God's doing and lock in on what God's saying, not on China, not on Russia, even though they're going to play their part and they're going to do things, Brother Bram says over and over again. He says, you know, you watch Russia, King of the North, and you look at this, look at this in the political realm. But he says, don't fear those things. He says it over and over again. Don't fear those things and don't worry about those things because there's a higher power that's in control of all of it. I say we ought to be thanking God that, you know, we look at uh, this situation here and, uh, you know, I feel personally, I feel for people I know who are trapped in war zones who we cannot reach. And we cannot take our phone and contact them like we can contact other people. And I can pick up my phone and, uh, you know, dial those brothers who are in uh, certain parts of that country. But there's other people that we don't know. And, you know, my heart breaks for those people. And I feel it every day. I wake up at night uh, many times, you know, early in the night. And, and I, you know, I, I'm just thinking about these people and what they're going through and, uh, you know, the kinds of struggle that they have. Because they had it rough even before the Russians ever showed up. And now to imagine how it must be. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the sisters who came over to Ushkarad, uh, she was telling the believers there, she said, the whole time we were on this humanitarian train coming west, there were Russian planes above us firing above the, the train, just above the roof of the train. They were purposely firing all the time that they were traveling along, firing across there. And everybody in the train was screaming and crying and shouting because they thought they were all going to die. But this was done on purpose to intimidate people and to spook people and to make people absolutely, totally afraid and hopefully give up and just surrender to the Russian people. And he said they followed that train all the way out to the west coast of uh, uh, of Ukraine and had the machine guns going and the, the, the plane weapons, you know, just firing off right above them there. And she said it was just any moment you felt like the whole thing could blow up and everybody would be dead. And she said, that's the way we live. And I can't imagine what that would be like. Neither could any of us even imagine, uh, no matter how many movies you've seen, you can't imagine what it would be like uh, to live in that kind of a condition. And to me, I don't want to shut up my bowels of compassion. I'd like to do what Whatever I could to help whoever I can in whatever way I know how and to deliver whatever aid and support and encouragement I can, uh, you know, to people in, in that part of the world. And by God's grace, we're able to do a little bit uh, because I, 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 it, by the testimonies, it seems to be making a difference. And, and again, I'm just a part of that whole process of all the people all over the earth who are drawn into the feeling of these believers. Oh, believers in every country on earth have been in contact, uh, you know, wanting to help the, the people in in that part of the world. And I say we should do whatever we, sh- we, sh- we can because we would want the same kind of treatment if we were in that spot. We wouldn't want people in other countries to say, wow, what can we do? How can we help? And, and not just to say, well, you know, hey, we'll be thinking about you. Hey, we want to we do whatever we can to roll up our sleeves and do whatever. And I know that you, that's your heart as well. I will tell you, saints of God, that's a rough thing. But I know this, above all of that, and above all the fear and the media and everything else, we serve a God who's got his hand on the controls. And like Brother Manum said right there, we know the hand of God has stopped time long enough to let this catch up with that and this catch up with that and this revival to come and this ministry to come and the seals to be open and all the other things happening there. God's doing it all to make sure you're ready to go when the time has come. And when the time has come for the bride and everybody's found, let me tell you, God will pull that last lever and that bride will be gone in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Glory to God. It's happening, folks. I believe we're there. But you have to believe, and I, I believe this, that he said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. That we'd be able to gather under the shadow and the shelter of his wing. The Bible promises us that. And I believe that's still true. It's t- true in times of war, true in times of, of peace. 
And I want to show you one last slide. And this is the, uh, the, the believers in eastern Ukraine. And this, even though you can't see it really well, uh, this right here is a, a bomb that landed in a believer's yard near this city and didn't explode. A bomb as big as a car dropped in their backyard inside the fence and is still just laying there and didn't explode. You know what that is? That's the hand of God watching over the people in that house. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stop there. I'm glad we serve a God who's able to turn the fuse off. I'm glad we serve a God that's able to have brothers over there that are reaching beyond doctrinal differences, reaching beyond any kind of ideology or any kind of an attitude and saying, hey, if you need help, we're here to help you. If you need some support, we're here to support you. And I'll tell you what, that's the way they should be. That's the way we should be. I believe that's the way that family should treat one another. And I'm just glad to be identified with the Bride of Christ and, uh, you know, just honored to be able to uh, stand with you and to be able to do things that we can for those people over there. And uh, for the people that are listening, I I think it's just a wonderful privilege to be able to pull together. And that's, that's how it gets done. That's how things happen, to be able to pull together and get it done. But I, I, you know, I mean, that's the way the human body works. That's the way the body of Christ should work. And I pray that God would give us wisdom. I pray that God would help us to know what levers to pull and how to be uh, sensitive to things over there and not trying to tell them what they need to know, but, uh, you know, just, just sincerely praying for those folks and doing all we can. Hey, uh, there's, there's so much in terms of prophecy that's unfolding. Uh, it's really getting interesting. And uh, I will tell you, uh, as we go forward here a little bit, uh, I, I think you'll begin to see that this is, uh, this is very much uh, a part of the plan of this last day and God allowing those levers just to move there and God holding up time, allowing time to go, things to speed up, things to slow down. All of it is moving to make sure it coincides with prophecy because heavens and earth will fail, but my word will never fail. Let's pray. Matt, if you'll play. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have tonight to be able to share some of the great testimonies and the things, Lord, that are being done in different parts of the world. And Lord, especially in that war-torn part of the continent of Europe, Lord, and uh, Father, we, we see those believers, Lord, just the testimonies of those believers in the middle of all that anger and violence and the hatred that comes out of their mouth all day long and the Lord, the believers are in there offering food to the soldiers and just excited about being in church and singing the songs of Zion. Lord, I just, what, what, what a great testimony that'll be when we get over on the other side and we hear their stories and see their faces, Lord. They're not people that are noted by governments. They're not people who are wealthy or famous, but they're people who believe this message. They believe this word. And Father, we we pray for them tonight. And we pray, Lord, for their safety. We pray for their sustenance. And we ask, oh God, that you would just continue to lead them and guide them in the path you have ordained for them, Lord. Certainly they're living in the time of sorrow. Certainly they're living in a, a day of trouble like David talked about. And so, Lord, we are moved. When one member of the body hurts, we all hurt. And when one is blessed, we are blessed. And so, Lord, we share in their struggle today and Lord, as long as we're in these bodies and as long as we're able, Lord, and we, we have the know-how and the technology and the resources to help them, Lord, that's certainly what we want to do because that's exactly how we would want to be treated. Lord, I pray that you would just inspire those that are listening, Lord, inspire your people to, to just reach out, especially in prayer for them. Lord, take control, I pray, and move us towards that day, Lord. 
Move us towards that hour when we shall be taken away. And Lord, if in all of this they find maybe one man, one woman, one young person, Lord, and that might be the key to the going home of the bride, Lord, I pray that they would find them soon. Use all of us, Lord, I pray. Lord, may our testimony be strong. May our faith be built up. And may, Lord, we stand secure in the knowledge that there are bombs all over the place. But, Lord, if you put your hand upon them, they're going to cause no harm. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your mercies to us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and ask now that you would minister to their hearts, I pray. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, if anybody knows about the love of Jesus, if anybody knows about the love of Jesus, well, I do.
you tonight. Pray every day, if you don't mind, for those believers. Let me tell you, God's in control, and we believe that very, very firmly, that God's in control. For those of you that are going to be at the banquet, we'll see you on Saturday night. The rest of you will see you on Sunday, and uh, trust you'll come expecting. I believe that God will have good things for us on the weekend. So may God richly bless you, and thank you again for coming. Good to have all of you here. Good to have you here, Brother Tim, and each and every one. May the Lord bless you. Let's sing that little uh, chorus. The more that I surrender, the lighter my load as we go tonight. The more that I surrender, the lighter.